strange thing happened as Bev and I was walking out the door this morning. I say it was a strange thing because it was, but it's not unusual in the sense that over the years, God has, God has done something like this again and again. But we're walking out the door. I have my Bible in my hand, and before I stepped out the door, I if you had asked me what I'm going to preach, I could give you the title of the text and the theme and and basically told you all about it. But as walking out the door, I told Bev, I said, you know, I just don't think I can I can preach the particular message I had on my heart this morning. And uh, you, you can't really explain it, but at any rate, made that decision, got here, wrote out the title for the message and gave it to Tim. As so I walked up this morning, he said, uh, Tim said something about, said, oh, that's, you know, the title of the message, that's great because that's going to fit right in. And I thought, what are you talking about? Fit right into what? And I promise, I, maybe I should have, but I had no idea what the theme at camp was. And uh, so if there is a connection, it all due to to God, because I had no idea They've even got their shirts, somebody said, made up. What do they say? Tell me, campers. What? Faith over fear. You've got to be kidding me. And the title of my message is Faith for Facing Fear. I swear, I had no idea. I promise. I didn't know that. But God did. And, uh, and I was, after deciding I'm not going to preach what I wanted to preach, and you know, giving in to the Lord. That doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? But that's kind of the way it worked. And, and so I had it all nailed down, sitting there at my desk, wrote out the title of the message. Well, as you know, we just celebrated Independence Day. And whenever we think back to all that we've been through as a nation these last 243 years, you, you might think, well, we've got our act together and we really don't have anything to be afraid of. But the fact of the matter is we are in danger daily and in great need to be vigilant, uh, to be aware, to be on guard. And we need more than just a positive attitude that everything's going to turn out all right because believing that all is well doesn't mean that it really is. We lose sight of the fact sometimes that we are under constant threat and because of that, there are a great many people that live in fear daily. Now, what I'm talking about this morning is something more than just a matter of national security or economic prosperity and things of that nature. I'm talking about those everyday problems, those struggles that are common to, uh, to all people, uh, our concerns about, about the future. You know, most of us, you know, at least my age, you start thinking about the future for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and how are they going to cope with the difficulties that they face. But regardless of what the cause is, whether it's economics, whether it's political, vocational, domestic, whatever the cause is, we have to learn to face our fears or they will literally destroy us. So where do you go? Where do you get that information? Uh, whenever there seems to be no hope in sight, where do you turn? Well, 
I'm glad you asked because you go to God. And if you're going to go to God, you have to go to His Word. And that's what I want you to do this morning. Psalms 23. I can't think of a better place to go whenever you think about having the faith for facing your fear. Now, all of you are familiar with this wonderful psalm. It has been a source of comfort for multitudes down through the centuries. And again and again, people have turned to it. But this morning, as much as we could say about the entire psalm, I want you to look at verse number 4 where we find our text. David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. While this is often read at funerals, it's actually a psalm for the living and not for the dead. Notice it's speaking about those who walk. We're talking about the living, those who walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And by the way, it is said that there is actually a place by that name in Palestine, an actual valley called the shadow of death. I'm not really concerned about the geographical location. You know, it's interesting to look back at the Holy Land and a fellow of the name of Thompson wrote a book on that many years ago and every preacher treasured that book because it was so difficult to get. The Land in the Bible by Thompson. And he went over there and lived in that land just so he could become familiar with it. And it's really interesting as you read the accounts of those who actually lived in the places that the Bible speaks of. But in reality, it's not the geographical location that makes this of such great interest. It's it's our situation, not the location. And this is talking about a place of darkness, a place of difficulty, a place of danger. It's describing a place where the dark shadows provided a place for robbers to hide and to attack the travelers. And when we think about it in that light, it it reminds us it's an apt illustration of the way that life is because we live in a dark and a dangerous world. That's true of every one of us. You know, you might live in the in the most uh, high class part of town in a mansion, but this is still a dark world. You might make tons of money and have great popularity, but this is a dark, sinful world that we live in. And don't think for a moment that uh, you're going to escape this matter of fear. Happened to have the news on for just a little while this morning, and it was talking about the earthquake in California, and this one woman talked about the fact that I have no idea exactly what kind of a house that she lived in, uh, but it wasn't, you know, one of the shanty towns like you find in San Francisco and and so forth that is like a third world country or something. But I thought about, she said, me and my children have been sleeping outside because of fear of being in the house with all of these earthquakes going on. And I thought to myself, here is someone, you know, that has a comfortable home, perhaps a mansion, we just don't know, but all of those people there living in fear in spite of all of the things that they have. And that is exactly the way that it is in the world that we live in. 
You're not going to escape it. You're going to have to deal with your fears. You can try. You can try to, you know, to make it look more attractive by calling it, you know, anxiety. Or you can call it worry or whatever. But it all amounts to the same thing, and that's fear. And, and, and that's a frightening thought, by the way. So this morning, I want you to consider how that we can have the faith to face our fears. There's three things I want to remind you of. Number one, there's the fact of fear. Life is full of fears. There are literally hundreds of phobias that make life miserable for people. I mean, there are people that won't even leave their own home. They're afraid to, to leave a particular room in their home. And, and there are doctors, physicians that specialize in these areas of treating people with phobias. And somebody described our society as an overwhelming culture of fear. I think that's true. I mean, if you don't, if you don't believe that, just turn on the news sometime, just watch what's going on in the world, and whether it's a political issue, or whether it's a, a scientific issue, or whether it has to do with our environment, or our economy, or whatever it is, people are afraid. I only remember a few things before the age of seven. Just a few things. And I've literally sat down and, and written down all of the things that I could remember before I was seven. And 99% of all of the things I remember before I was seven, 99% of them had to do with something related to fear. I can remember when my mom there in Springfield, Missouri, and she... Her and another woman were walking me across what was known as the Grant Street Viaduct. The railroad yard was down below, uh, tracks from one end of it to another, and all of the, you know, the train station and all of that was down there. But for some reason, Mom thought it would be a great idea to lift me up and set me on that viaduct. Looking back on it, I think maybe she was trying to get rid of me. No, that's a joke. She really wasn't. But it scared me to death. And I could go on and on and on listing those things that I just haven't been able to forget. It's not that I still fear those things, but, but you, it's hard to forget those things that, that have frightened you. And I understand that there is a God-given healthy fear that prepares us for danger and keeps us safe. Thank God for that. I mean, look, you, you ought to have a fear of running out across the interstate highway during rush hour. That's something to be afraid of. You ought to have a fear of rattlesnakes. I mean, God has given us this healthy kind of fear. At the same time, the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God knows that fear can be destructive. And whenever we think about David and the situation that he was in, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it just reminds me that life is full of valleys. And, and, and I'm talking about valleys that we have to walk through. They are inevitable. Notice David didn't say, if... 
I walk through the valley. He didn't say that, did he? Notice he said, though, though I walk through the valley. So fear is something that we all experience. It's inevitable. It's impartial. Whether, whether we're talking about the just or the unjust, the rich, the poor, the young, the old, no one is excluded because every age group has their own unique fears. You know, we think about, and I was talking about back before I was seven, and all of the things that I could remember that related to fear, things that I've never been able to forget. But now I'm at the other end of the spectrum, and boy, I think about, I think about how Solomon described old age and what have you. And, and, and I mean, he gave a, a, a description in the book of Ecclesiastes that I mean, he crosses every T and dots every I. I can remember reading that 50 years ago and I thought, what in the world is he talking about? Boy, now I can relate to that. I mean, look, whether you're young or old, fear's not just something that mom and dad faces. The kids face fear. We all face fear, regardless of who we are. It is impartial. And it's inconvenient in that it just rudely interrupts our life. It comes without any invitation whatsoever. It doesn't knock at the door and ask if it can come in. It just comes bursting into your life and it interrupts your plans and then, then refuses to go away. Just stays there with you. You go to bed at night and it's still there. You try to go to sleep and it's still there. You get up in the morning and it's still there. So fear is a fact that everybody has to deal with. But it's not a, just a fact that we have to deal with. It is a foe that we have to contend with. It is a real enemy. Notice David does not say there is no evil he, he tells us, you know, there is evil in this world. There's a, a, an evil that, and our enemies are real, as, as Peter said concerning Satan, that he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. David knew that well. And whenever we examine the life of David, we see the various valleys that David went through. The valleys, I should say, that God brought him through. Because he would have never got through those valleys had it not been for God. God brought him through the valley of slander, for example. We think about David. Now, here is a young man. He is a young man facing a giant of a problem that most people would have run from. And yet David tackled that problem head on. He is willing to do what nobody else was willing to do. He said, I'll go out and I'll stop that, that giant that's blaspheming our God. And what happened? They began to mock him. His own brothers began to mock him. After he gets the victory, Saul began to slander him. So David had to deal with this problem in his life, the slander against him. And let me tell you, if you live long enough, everybody's going to have to deal with somebody that doesn't really care whether they hurt you or not. And you better learn to deal with it or I'm telling you, it will destroy you. There are people that refuse to go to church because they are afraid that so-and-so is going to say something or do something that's going to hurt them. You better get over it or it will destroy you. 
slander. He walked through that dark valley of slander and had to deal with people. People that should have been his best friends. People that should have appreciated all that he had done. And yet he had to go through that valley. Listening to the slander of those that tried to belittle him and discredit him. And then there was another valley that David went through. He describes it over in Psalms 51. It's the valley of sin. It's a story that we all know about. It's a story that David, I'm sure, wished had never happened in his life. How David, a man after God's own heart, David the giant killer, and yet David the sweet psalmist of Israel, David yielded to temptation. Thank God that God brought him through that valley. And let me tell you, you might be here today and it might be that you're in that valley of sin and it's dark and it's, it's a deep, dark valley and Satan is about to destroy you. I've got good news for you. Regardless of how hopeless it appears, you might be tied up in the, in slavery to some particular sin and you think that you can never break away because you've tried before. You've even recruited the help of others and they've tried to help you get out of it before and nothing has ever worked. I want you to know that we have a God that's able to bring you through that valley of sin regardless of who you are and restore you back to righteousness and fellowship with the Lord. Then David walked through another valley. It was the valley of sickness. In his case, the sickness was associated with the sin that God had brought him through. And oh, I think about how David describes that sickness, the rottenness of his bones. Uh, he, he describes it so vividly in, in, in torturous words and how that deep within his heart it just seemed like that, that there was absolutely no hope. And yet God brought him through that. And it might be you're here this morning and you're going through that valley. It might not have anything to do with sin in your life. It might be just according to the divine course of things in the providence of God for some reason. God allowed some good person to be smitten with a disease or an illness of some kind and it's wearing on you day and night and you are fearful. You're fearful of the next doctor's visit. You're fearful of the next treatment. You're fearful of what's going to happen. Are you going to make it through? Are you going to survive? And I can't tell you whether you will or not, but I can tell you that we serve a God that can get you through that valley. Don't you give up. Don't you give in. There's no place to quit when you know that the Lord is your shepherd. He got David through that valley. And then David knew what it was to go through the valley of sorrow. We think about that little baby that died. We think about the struggle that David went through and no doubt he beat himself up over and over again knowing that, that his sin had brought it about. And even though David made his heart right with God, he confessed his sin and God assured him of his forgiveness. And yet God said, but the child must die. But the child must die. And it might be that you've suffered some grievous loss of a loved one in your life. It might not have anything to do with sin whatsoever, or it might. That matters not at this point. You've suffered the loss, and sometimes it seems like, I'll never get through this. 
I oftentimes, and especially the older I get, the more I think about how difficult it must be for someone my age or any age to lose their to lose their wife or to lose their husband. How, how do you get through something like that? To lose the person that you love more than anyone on this earth. And I'm telling you, listen to me, we're all headed toward that valley. I don't know who will be first, but one day or the other, if Jesus doesn't come first, Bev or I one will have to walk through that valley. Some of you have already been through that valley. All of you are headed for that valley and you better hope and pray that you find a way to deal with those fears that's going to overwhelm you when that comes. Because fear is an enemy that we have to overcome because it doesn't give up. It doesn't just go away like, well, I've been here for a few months and I'll... I think I'll just pack my bags and move on to somebody else. Oh no, it's there to stay until you deal with it. Till you get rid of it. Till you learn how to face that fear. It's not going to go away. The foe of fear. But there's a third thing that we need to remember and that's the faith for fear. You see, there's only one way that we can deal with this issue in our life. Only one way that we can make our journey successfully, and that is to walk by faith. And if we fail here, we're going to fail altogether. I think just about everybody here this morning already knows that, right? You didn't learn anything from that statement that I just made. You know That if you're going to make it through this world, if you're going to be successful as a Christian, you've got to walk by faith. You know that. And yet at the same time, you're struggling right now and your faith is weak. So let me give you some facts that will help your faith to grow, that will help you to, to bear up under the load and to keep going. In this precious psalm that David wrote, he gives us some practical advice and glorious truths that, that has helped many down through the ages. And I want, you to, I want you to notice exactly what he said. Verse number 1. Here's the first thing that's necessary. The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, you must assure yourself of God's position. Assure yourself of God's position. David knew the Lord was his shepherd, or he could say, my shepherd is the Lord. And everything depends on this because there's no hope of help unless this is true. If the Lord isn't your shepherd, is the Lord your shepherd this morning? Are you sure in your heart that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you know, you know beyond any shadow of a doubt, the Lord is is your shepherd. A lot of people go through life trying to solve all of their problems and deal with all of those issues and, you know, win the victory and live successfully, never, never having the assurance that that Jesus is their Savior. And I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And you keep pushing it to the background of your life and thinking, well, I'll deal with it later whenever I'm older. I know the preacher is right. I know we all ought to be Christians. We need to have our sin forgiven. I realize that. But for some reason, you walk out of one service after another after another. I was so glad whenever I heard that Kenley was was saved here recently. And then I was glad whenever I heard that that uh, Tory was saved. And 
It just, I can't imagine how many hundreds and hundreds of sermons and Sunday school lessons those two kids have heard over the years. They've heard it again and again and again and again, but they really didn't deal with it until just recently. I say, are you assured of the Lord's position in your life that He is your shepherd? Now look at verse 4. The second thing, we have to acknowledge God's presence. David said, for thou art with me. I don't think we put as much stock in that as we should. The Lord is with me. And so what? Somebody says that God's everywhere. God, you know, is omnipresent. He's down by the river. He's in the bar room. God's everywhere. You can't get away from God. As the psalmist said, though I make my bed in hell, God is there. Yes, the presence of God is everywhere, but there's a difference. There is a difference in God being everywhere and God being with you in this special way as your shepherd. And I think about, I think about Noah and I think about Enoch. And in both cases, it said they walked with God. They walked with God. Keep in mind, that was during the most horrible time on this earth, the days before the flood, and yet they walked with God. And wherever you are in life, if the Lord is your shepherd, God is with you. He's not against you. He's with you. He's for you. You can depend upon that. But you need to acknowledge the fact that wherever I am, here I am, I'm in the hospital. Here I am in the courtroom. Wherever you are, whatever valley that you're in, God is in that valley with you. And thirdly, you have to appropriate God's promises. David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I love the way Peter put it when he said unto us, they're given many precious promises. Precious promises that God, remember this is the God who cannot lie has given unto us, unto every child of God, can lay claim to the precious promises of God. But all of those are worthless unless we appropriate them unto ourselves. Whenever the Lord says, Call upon me and I will answer and I'll give thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's a wonderful promise. But if you don't, if you don't appropriate it, if you don't pray, It's of no benefit to you whatsoever. And there's so many times, you know, that we get to that place in our life to where we can quote one promise after another. We say, oh yeah, all things work together for good, you know, to those who love the Lord. And God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And we go on and on quoting all of those verses, but yet we never really appropriate them unto our lives. It's kind of like having a blank check in your hand from the richest man on earth and he says make it out to whatever you need and you just stick it in your pocket and forget about it. We have to appropriate God's promises if we're going to be able to face our fears. And then the fourth thing we need to do is to assess. That is to take stock of, to consider, to examine and to think about the greatness of God's power. The one who has the power to protect us. The one who has the power to provide for us. And whenever we look at all of these things that David mentions in this psalm, we see David 
receive confidence from the shepherd's position. The Lord was his shepherd. His shepherd was the Lord. That's God's position in his life. And he received confidence from that. He received courage from the shepherd's presence, knowing that wherever I am, whatever the label on the valley is, God is here with me. He received comfort from the promises of God and consolation from the power of God, knowing that, and surely David was looking back on his life, thinking, you know, and thinking about, you know, I remember when I was in that other valley, I didn't think I'd get through it, but God brought me through it. And there's so many times that even now to this day, whenever, whatever it is I'm going through, I think back, I think back to the time that something that God brought me or brought us, Bev and I, to, and I look back and I'm reminded that He not only brought us to it, He brought us through it. At the time, we didn't know we were going to get through it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that place in your life? You think, here you are standing face to face with some giant in your life, some dark valley in your life, and you think, I'll never get through this. I'll never survive. I'll never be the same. I'll never laugh again. And now you look back and you see, God brought you to it, and God took you through it also. I'm telling you, in Christ, you can find the faith that you need to face the fears in your life. And, and that's the very thing that will help you to forge your future, to, to build the life that God wants you to enjoy. Keep your focus on Him. He's faithful. He's faithful. He can't lie. So the bottom line question is, is the Lord your shepherd? David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Sitting at my desk a while ago, and I thought to myself, you know, when all is said and done, there's only two ways that I know of, only two ways to get rid of fear. Number one is salvation. Through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we can conquer those fears. The other one is stupidity. To be so stupid is the fool who says, there is no God, I don't have anything to be afraid of. There are people like that. They're doing everything imaginable that is contrary to the will of God. They don't have any fear of God. They're not worried about it whatsoever. They do not see the danger that they're in. They're blinded as to the consequences of their sin. But let me tell you, that's just... That's just a temporary fix because the day is coming when you're going to stand before a holy God trembling, fearful of the judgment that awaits. That day that Paul said, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So whenever you consider all of the facts, there's only one sensible way to conquer fear in your life. And that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. The Lord is my shepherd. How awful it would be if God wasn't in that position in my life. He's my shepherd. He is my everything. He's the one that protects me. The one that provides for me. And I'm glad. I'm so glad that He's never met an enemy that He can't defeat. There's never any valley, regardless of how deep and dark it is, that He can't get you through it.
Amen. Our God is able. And whenever you can say, Our God, the Lord, is my shepherd, that's the place in your life to where you realize, I don't have to live in fear any longer. I don't have to be fearful. Because a child of God in the will of God is in the safest place in this whole wide world. There's not a safer place to be. Whether it's hospital or prison, wherever you are, you're safe. You don't have a thing to worry about. A child of God in the will of God. Oh, but you say, yeah, but preacher, we all get sick and we all die. Yeah, but that's not always the worst thing. Sometimes that's the best thing that could happen to us. But whenever we know that we're in God's hand under His control and He never makes a mistake, we don't have anything to worry about. Brother Nolan sings that song, Heaven is Better Than This. Boy, it sure is. And one of these days, God's going God's to say to His children, Look, I've already put you through enough. I had a good reason for it, but I've put you through enough already. You know, Paul, remember, said it's more needful that I stay here, even though to die is gain. He said it's more needful that I stay here. And because it's needful, God has given you the privilege of living another day. But someday, someday, the God who is all wise will say, you've been here long enough, child. Come on. And you're going to come to that valley in the shadow of death. You're going to come to that valley. And I got news for you. You don't have to worry about anything whatsoever. Amen. I mean, in just one heartbeat, you'll move from this world to that world where a city whose builder and maker is God and whose foundation cannot be shaken. Don't be afraid of any valley that you ever have to face in your life because your God is greater than that. If you don't know the Lord as your shepherd, you can this morning. We'd love we'd love to see you come this morning and say, yes, preacher, I'm putting my trust in Jesus Christ. I don't want to leave here. I don't want to live another day not knowing that I'm a child of God. And we invite you to come. We're going to extend to you an invitation and help you the best that we know how. And as we stand, those awaiting baptism, we would ask you to be dismissed at this time and go on and Brother Kenneth will be dismissed and they're going to prepare for the baptismal service. We've already, we've already acted on Kenley, but not Tory. All of those in favor of to- receiving Tory by such, that be known to the uplift of the hand. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to pray as they dismiss themselves. Father, how we thank you this morning to know that although we do not always have a choice as to what valley we find ourselves in, we know that we'll never be in a valley unless in some way that you allowed it or you caused it. And not only that, but we'll never be in a place, a valley, or anywhere else in this life, but what you'll be there with us. And that because of the exceeding greatness of your power, because of the greatness of your love and your wisdom toward us, I just pray this morning that we might be assured comfort, comfort some heart, someone that's troubled today, fearful of, of all of the things that are going wrong in their life. And I just pray that some way today, that you'll use your precious word to comfort their heart and help them to leave here with a deep, settled peace, knowing 
that it's all going to be well. It's going to be okay because my shepherd is in charge. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Now as we lift our voice.